Welcome everyone to Celtic Preacher episode 41 and today we're looking at the subject of expectations. Now expectations can cause us a lot of grief and frustration and anger when they're not met, can't they? I mean, think about any relationship you've had and you were expecting someone to be a certain way and for whatever reason it didn't turn out that way. Very frustrating. Well, Jesus was most familiar with not meeting the expectations of the majority of the people that he encountered. But as we'll see in our scripture passage today, Jesus' purpose wasn't primarily about meeting people's needs and wants and desires. I know that sounds like a strange thing to say, but Jesus' purpose wasn't primarily about meeting people's needs and wants and desires. I think his first call was being true to himself and God, which is actually our first call also. But hey, that's another sermon. Today, I want to talk about expectations. And I'm going to be looking at uh, Luke chapter 19, and this is a, a passage that is traditionally read on Palm Sunday. And for those of you who aren't familiar with the church here, Palm Sunday is always the Sunday before Easter. And what sets Palm Sunday aside as, as somewhat different is, in most, most Christian churches, the majority of Christian churches, there's going to be some sort of processional happening and people are going to be waving palm branches and there's going to be songs that have the word Hosanna in them and there's going to be some text that talks about Jesus coming riding into Jerusalem on his donkey and all the crowds are putting their cloaks on the ground and they're singing Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and there's a great, great celebration and everyone's happy and the strangest thing about Palm Sunday is is that the whole thing happens five days before he dies on the cross. Five days before what we have come to call Good Friday, which was the day he was arrested and tried and uh, crucified on the cross. So Palm Sunday is kind of a, it's a, it's kind of a strange uh, text in a way, kind of a strange day because you never, if, you, if you've ever been in a, a service where they had a Palm Sunday service, it's like, is this good news or is this bad news? I mean, how can this happen? How can, how can he be dead five days later when everyone is happy with him on Palm Sunday? How can things change so quickly? One minute the crowds are praising him and they're happy with him. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and they're waving their palm branches. And not five days later, the crowds are shouting, crucify him. How can things change so quickly? Even his closest disciples are confident on Palm Sunday and yet no one comes to his defense 
and they've all lost confidence by Friday. How can this be? What is going on? Well, a big part of this whole passage is all about expectations. And maybe it's not so strange because sometimes in life, it just takes a moment for a change of heart, a change of mind. And you see things quite differently. We've all experienced this. You're going along through your life and then something happens and it's like, oh, maybe this isn't going to turn out the way that I expected. You're going through your life and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, this person isn't who I thought she was. Sometimes it just takes a moment to change your mind and something hits you differently. You lose trust in someone you love. Or someone you really counted upon, you really thought that this one would be there for you, isn't. At least not in the way that you hoped for. Not in the way you expected. And your expectations are dashed and it's really not going to work out as planned. I think that this is certainly some of what is going on with Jesus. The day that he entered Jerusalem riding on his donkey, with all the crowds around him, praising him, and there's a lot of disappointed people by Friday. Why? Well, part of the reason is is that the people were looking for a saviour, and a saviour to them, it looked an awful lot like saving them from trouble and pain and disappointment. And it looked to these first Palm Sunday people, looked like they wanted a savior, a Messiah, which is really a leader, an anointed one, a leader, a king, that would save them from all their troubles. And their first trouble, the thing that they were most concerned about was they wanted their enemies, the Romans, the ancient Romans, out of their land. So when they are praising Jesus and they're saying, this is the one we've been waiting for, this is the Messiah, this is the Savior, this is the King, they're very disappointed and angry and disillusioned by Friday because it doesn't look like Jesus is going to do what they hoped that he would do. On Palm Sunday, they wave their palm branches and they, sh- they, they shout this word Hosanna, which actually means, the word Hosanna it comes from one of the Psalms. It comes, comes from Psalm 118. The word means save us. So the crowds are quoting this well-known Psalm. They're saying, Lord, save us. Give us success. So the crowds know what they want. They know what they want Jesus to do. They're saying, Jesus, save us. Get these oppressive Romans out of here. We want a Messiah. And they're looking for a military commander. They're looking for a political administrator. They're looking for someone who can lead them in such a way that the land will be rid of these Roman soldiers. 
And so on Palm Sunday, this is why they're happy with him. They're thinking, you know, this is the one. I think this is the one that's going to do it. I think this is the one that's actually going to change things. Finally, we will have a leader who's going to lead us into freedom. And so they love him because they see him as the answer to all their problems. Now, of course, we can do the same thing, right? We can all like Jesus when we see him as the answer to our problems, right? It's easy to sing praises and hosannas when we think, you know, if I just pray and if I just hold on and if I just have faith, then everything is going to work out fine. If I can just hold on, God's going to say yes. And the anxieties that keep us up at night will be taken care of and the king will come and rescue us and save us. Now, we don't use that language, but we can relate to the energy, right? We can relate to that. We're not exactly like the first Palm Sunday crowd, but we can relate to wanting God to do something for us, right? We all want happy home lives. We all want healthy children. We all want meaningful work. We want to contribute. We want to make a difference in the world. We want fulfilling retirements. We want ample resources. We want health. We have lots and lots of expectations. So did the crowds that first Palm Sunday. The first crowds, 2,000 years ago, Jesus, we want you to save us from Rome. Jesus, we want you to use your power and your authority to get things done. And the first thing to get done is get ancient Rome out of our land. And the idea was, they actually knew how they were going to do it. It was very similar to how things are done today. Collect an army, get support, Call your troops together, and then when Jesus gives the word, attack and conquer. Yeah, well, of course, <laughs> that wasn't the way Jesus, that wasn't Jesus' way. <laughs> it never was, it never will be his way. Jesus never did things in the usual way. I mean, it really shouldn't surprise us. It really shouldn't surprise us. I mean, when you consider this, just think about this for a second. If God took on a body, there must have been a good reason for that. Right? Now, what's the reason? Well, I think one of the reasons is, is fairly simple. It's like, you know, they've forgotten how to be human. If God would say things like this, you know, they don't know how to live. Is this what the world's come to? Violence and oppression and suffering and revenge? And God takes on a body and lives an alternative way. Now, counterculture, countercultural is an understatement when you look at the life of Jesus. But when you look at the life of Jesus and you watch him live, he's basically showing us what it looks like to be truly human. 
So on that first Palm Sunday, he came into Jerusalem and he's on his donkey. That doesn't mean much to us. It should have meant something to the first people because he didn't come in a war horse. It should have been a clue. But people only see what people want to see. Jesus came riding in on the donkey. That's the way he planned it. It was no accident. He made arrangements beforehand. He said to the disciples, go pick up the donkey for me. The owner is expecting you. He instructed one of the disciples to go and get the donkey, bring it here. Then we're all going to go to Jerusalem. We're going to celebrate Passover together. And so he rode into the city on a donkey, not a war horse. It was a sign. The donkey was the sign. And nobody's paying any attention because their expectations got in the way. Much much the same way our expectations can get in the way of God working in our lives, of God working in the world. You know, we only see what we want to see much of the time. He didn't ride in on the war horse. There's no chariot. There's no shields. There's no swords. There's no soldiers. Just this group of fishermen and poor people and women that had a rough life and The ancient prophet, 500 years before, the first Palm Sunday, wrote, Behold, your king comes, humble and riding on a donkey. (laughs) It's interesting because Jesus receives their praise. You know, when, when they shout Hosanna or blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, when they call him Messiah, when they call him king, he receives their praise. But what the followers will soon find out is Jesus' understanding of what a Messiah is is very, very different from the crowds. He healed the sick. Yeah, people are okay with that. They like that. He challenged the powers that be. Yeah, they were okay with that. He reinterpreted the Torah. That would be like uh, what we call the Old Testament, first five books, did an awful lot of reinterpretation. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, and then he would go on with his teaching. Yeah, they were okay with that. They were fine with that. But he refused to take up arms, and he insisted on his followers learning how to love and forgive. That's been hard for people down throughout the centuries. That's been really, really hard for people to understand and get. So by Friday, nothing was happening the way that the crowds hoped for. And when their expectations were dashed, the hosannas turned to crucify him. By Friday, some turned against him. Now, not all of them. He still had his... 11 disciples, his closest ones beside him, but many, many turned against him. It's all about expectations. It's a difficult lesson. It's not necessarily one we want to hear, but God isn't in the business of meeting our expectations. Expectations are something that we have to 
We have to learn how to hold lightly in this life. We have to learn to be flexible, uh, fluid, changeable, malleable, because life doesn't always give us what we want. Life doesn't give us what we think that we need. And we know this, God does not step in the way we would like God to step in and change things. We know this, right? And the promise of God is, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That's what I'll promise you, God says. The promise of God is, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. That's the promise. The promise is, when you're weak, you're strong. It's good to know what the promises are, what we're promised and what we're not promised. There's no promise of success or recognition or affirmation from other people. There's no promise of, of health or wealth or a tragedy-free life. There's no promise of perfect relationships. There's no promise of blissful marriages and partnerships. There's no promise of the support of understanding, loving families and friends. And I think at times we can set ourselves up for a lot of disappointment when we place wrong expectations upon God, or life, for that matter. And I don't necessarily see expectations as wrong. We're human. We're going to have them. It's more a matter of how tightly we're going to hold on to them. In other words, if our expectations are so important to us that they color weeks of our lives, years of our lives, because they're not being fulfilled, that's a red flag. You know, our expectations, if they're so important that we become envious or discontent or angry or jealous because we just can't get what we know we need or what we think we deserve and life isn't fair and God isn't helping me and the world's against me, however we would frame that, that's a red flag. Whether we blame God directly or indirectly. Uh, when we're going around with that sense that, you know, it's just not fair, you know, life's too hard. Um, whether we blame God or life or a person or our circumstances, when we're left in that frustrating place of wanting, wanting more, wanting something else, something other than what life is, it's always a call to go deeper. You know, Jesus modeled this just before, just before he's arrested and what we have come to call Good Friday, which was the, the day that he was uh, crucified. He models this for us just before he's arrested. This going deeper. It seems like on, on Friday in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus wrestles through this kind of inner turmoil. 
and this inner turmoil is, is turned over to God. So there he is, he's in the garden, and he's contemplating the possibility of suffering and dying. And he's in the garden, and he's wrestling with us, and he's thinking, is there another way? That's the prayer. Is there a, is there a way out of this? Is there another way? Can I avoid this in some way? And so he wrestles this back and forth and back and forth. And ultimately, on the Friday before he's arrested in the garden, he releases everything. It's just this massive release into trust, whatever, whatever is the right thing. Let me do it. Let your will be done. Whatever is the right thing. And all the expectations are released to God. My will, my desire, my way. He models it perfectly. And it is always a choice. It's always a choice. What is it going to be? Is it going to be my way or am I going to release it? You know, going deeper and moving to that quiet place of trust is not a, a, a journey. It's not a spiritual journey everyone makes. And the reason that people don't make it is, is cause it's, it's because it's difficult. It's because it's difficult. But if we don't make it, we end up with a different kind of suffering. Because peace comes when we release things. See, think how differently it would have been if the crowds, that first Palm Sunday crowd, think how it would have changed things if they had trusted Jesus. It's like, oh, wow. Okay, he's not going to gather an army. I wonder what he has in mind. He doesn't correct us when we sing Hosanna. He doesn't correct us when we say, Lord, save us. He doesn't tell us he's not the, the Messiah. He doesn't tell us he's not the Savior. He doesn't tell us he's not the Anointed One. But he's not acting like the Messiah. He's not, like, he's not acting like what we expected. Okay. I wonder what he has in mind. In other words, what would have happened if the crowd held their expectations lightly? What if they were flexible? What if they were less rigid? What if they had been open to something new? Yeah, it would take a lot of trust, granted. But what if they had been open to something new? Can you see where I'm going with this? Because I think that we're the same as that first Palm Sunday crowd. I think when we're rigid and we hold on to things that they have to be a particular way, it is a setup. It's a setup. When we start insisting, it has to work out this way. There's a great line in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It's a great promise. No eye has seen. No ear has heard, no mind conceived the things God has prepared for those who love God. 
That's a great promise. It's like, uh, is your plan not working out? Well, God's not confused by that. Are you running out of ideas? Okay, well, God doesn't run out of ideas. Are you having trouble figuring something out? Okay, well, you might have trouble figuring something out, but God doesn't have trouble figuring anything out. Yeah. Are you feeling blocked? Are you feeling blocked? God can't get blocked. No eye has seen. No ear has heard. No mind conceived the things God has prepared for you. You can't even begin to imagine what God has in store for you. Is your life not going as planned? Okay. Well, what if God has something in mind that you've never even considered? That you've never even imagined? Yeah. What if the worst thing may not be the worst thing? It's like, really? Yeah, really. Yeah, there's the heart cry. There's the prayer. God, when I can't see any way forward, help me to trust you because you have a way. You have a way when there is no way and it is good because you are good. You are good. Thank you for joining me. We've been listening to the wisdom of Jesus for the 21st century. Join me again next week for another episode.